Hi, I'm Phil Ranta, the host of NFT Stories Podcast. Every week we tell another story from this multi-billion dollar market alongside the artists, collectors, companies, and entrepreneurs that are making it all happen. NFTs are built on blockchains, and blockchains use coins to facilitate transactions. And right now, the coin market is way, way down. This could actually be viewed as a good thing. One of the biggest complaints about Ethereum, one of the most popular blockchains for NFTs that host mega brands Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks, is it used to cost between $50 and $150 per transaction in gas fees which means a payment you need to make in order just to cover the cost of the transaction. Now, you can regularly make an Ethereum transaction for less than 10 bucks. For people who want a lower barrier to entry to the market, this is great. Everything is on sale. But what about the voices behind these coins? After all, there are a lot of people making a lot of money from these chains. As we mentioned in the last episode, the co-founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin, announced he's no longer a billionaire due to the downturn. I'm not shedding a tear for someone losing a comma, but those representing smaller chains may be struggling a bit harder. Does this mean the party's over for the little guys? Is this a market correction that will push out the upstarts and ensure dominance to those with the funding to weather the storm? Or is this a time for the builders to come out of the woodwork so they can hit the next period of explosive growth? I wanted to get this story firsthand from someone who lives in the more startup sector of the blockchain world. Hayden, not his real name since he's doxxed, is one of the leading voices in Hogecoin, which has built a strong community not just around coin sales, but retro gaming using NFTs, esports, and Web3 information sharing. He's one of my go-tos for the word on the street in this space. Warning, Hayden is really, really heads down, so he gets a bit jargony. There's no shame in pausing the podcast to Google a term. A few important ones. DeFi means decentralized finance, which is a blanket term for using blockchain-based coins like money. Farming and staking are ways to invest these coins for a return. Think of gaining interest from a savings account. Now, let's build with the Hoge Master. I'm here with Hayden, who's probably best known for his affiliation with Hogecoin, um, and also a guy I just go to whenever I have any questions about crypto, about DeFi, about NFTs. He's one of my senseis for it. So, Hayden, thank you so much for joining the NFT Stories podcast. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. You know, it's always a creative time whenever, uh, you know, we uh, are talking and and pushing boundaries or or ideating. So uh, anything, you know, uh, with you is a pleasure, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you. So we're talking about, even though that was a very happy intro, we're talking about kind of an unhappy topic. Well, depending on your point of view, but it's been really hard out there. It's been hard out there for crypto markets. It's hard out there for Terra and Luna. I know that we've talked about Terra and Luna in the past. Um, So as somebody who's in this space and heads down, just kind of as an overall vibe, What's the word on the street? Is everybody panicking and setting their hair on fire? Is everyone dropping out of the market? What's going on right now? 
Yeah, you know, good question. Well, I think that really all depends on who you're talking to, right? This is a very young industry uh, with not even 10% global adoption. And so the retail mind that, you know, is in the game and investing and speculating, you know, at scale are grossly, you know, have an education gap. Uh, and with that, right, the sentiment of blockchain, it's, you know, ideating in a honeymoon phase like a casino, right, where you can invest a little and make a lot in a short amount of time. And it was never designed for that, right? And now that, you know, there's uh, blood, you know, in the blockchain streets on a regular basis, which is nothing new to this industry, um, I think that a lot of the new people that, you know, have taken that plunge from crypto curious to crypto engaged and, you know, got into a coin, you know, during its uh, hype and, and the top, right? There's a lot of fear and sentiment. Um, and I think that as it relates to looking at blockchain like a casino, right? Those days are probably coming to an end. But as it relates to people that are, you know, as they say, in it for the tech or really understand that, you know, blockchain or cryptocurrency was a Trojan horse. It comes in like the casino, but it's the next innovation in technology for the way that humans are going to engage with each other, interact, you know, transact, store their wealth. Uh, it's so much bigger, right? And it's going to last for hundreds of years. And so when the market's bleeding, the builders come out, right? And some of the most beautiful projects and, you know, beautiful companies were built in, in the hardest of times. And I think that in a time like this, the people that are serious and have been in the industry and understand the beauty of it and, and what's to come are building steadfastly, just like we're doing at Hoge and just like the broader industry is really doing at scale with those minds. Yeah, absolutely. And part of what you're saying there is kind of that old Warren Buffett thing. When everybody's scared, you run at it. And when everybody's running at it, that's when it's time to back down a little bit. Kind of feels like it's the same method, right? And the way that I look at it, which you just spoke to there, is running at it in this market means building, right? So knowing that you work with Hoge, does that mean that it's time to build more? Well, Absolutely. But I mean, at Hoge, right, for example, we've never stopped building. And right now we are building more than ever before, right? We purchased a land in NFT worlds, this beautiful, you know, utopia, the largest multi-metaverse in existence. And that really is a focus of ours now because, you know, in this young industry, the metaverse, right, is the new the new word, right? Facebook changes to meta and, and really what is it and, and what are its use cases or utility? And you know, for us, that is, uh, you know, the utopia right there of the future of a mature blockchain industry where you can take all your protocols and take all your legacy businesses and have them meet in the middle in the most unique, intimate, refreshing experience for people to participate in. I mean, we're living in a socially distanced COVID fueled world where digital screens are, you know, people's lives for work, for personal, for finance, for entertainment, for everything. And so understanding that and embracing that in this market showcases a lot of opportunities to, you know, leverage, you know, that narrative and really manifest these incredible pieces of tomorrow today when people are scared and when people are hesitant, you know, those, those seconds of hesitation industry wide add up over time. And that is the time advantage uh, for people that understand that you can't stick blockchain back in the box. It's only going to get bigger and more prominent as time goes on. On that note, I would love to play a little game. And we all know with these darn turns, market corrections, crypto winters, whatever you want to call it with, there's always going to be winners and losers. I would love to just list off a couple things. And I want you to tell me if it's a winner, loser, somewhere in between. 
Um, we'll start with some kind of easier ones and we'll drill down. So uh, NFTs in the long run. Huge winner. Huge. That's what I figured you'd say. That's what I we've figured. Bar- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface on, you know, what NFTs are, what they can do. Not everyone's going to be the Mona Lisa of the blockchain, but, you know, NFTs have so much more use case and utility. I mean, in today's business world that uh, they haven't even really gotten there yet. So huge winner uh, in the long run, for sure. Love it. What about purely speculative NFTs? A loser, you know, uh, at scale, <laughs> a loser, right? You know, this is the honeymoon phase, you know, NFTs were having their boom, they were hitting hard and you could, you know, do a derivative of Bored Ape and, and, and have it go to the moon with it just being a picture. But when this industry settles down, right, regulation sets in, the DeFi bill is coming to North America in January, and that has a lot of focus around NFTs and stable coins. I think that the speculative nfts you know even though the thought leaders in quote of today right are going to have a tough time surviving in the long run got it and totally agree how about bitcoin i mean bitcoin absolutely a big winner uh it has stood the test of time what have we been doing this over 12 years now it's way past the proof of concept uh you know stage but it's still early right i mean you have fold cards out there every purchase you know, you can earn a percentage back in Bitcoin, Satoshis, and Bitcoin isn't going to go anywhere, right? It's just early. And I think when we start to see these, you know, Bitcoin having these single asset, you know, uh, staking vaults to earn a yield or, or the fold cards, you know, go away with earning Satoshis and they pivot to another token, right? That's when you'll know that uh, the industry is maturing, adoption is there, but Bitcoin through thick and thin, you know, is the king. It, it really is. There's just no way around that right now. Absolutely. What about uh, venture capital funding into blockchain projects, crypto projects, NFT projects? In the long run, a loser, right? And, and here's why. Right now, the very beginning, you know, phases of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations are becoming more and more talked about, discussed and deployed. And they're very early right now. There's a lot of pain points. And there are things to be refined out, but a DAO is 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 a VC replacement killer, straight up. I mean, you look at uh, Link's DAO NFT collection, right? And that is a community managed, maintained, funded uh, project that is going to purchase a real golf course in real life, leveraging you know these NFTs for their funding, and they didn't need a VC for that, right? And upon their success, we see a lot more of that popping up and. And this is just the beginning, you know, VCs may evolve into DAOs, the DAO VC or the VC DAO. But I think in the end, the way that we look at traditional VCs today, that that's, that's a ticking time bomb of extinction. I feel the same way. And we'll, we'll end this part of the game with uh, possibly the most controversial one where there's probably no right answer, but Board Ape Yacht Club. Oh man. You know, it's, it's tough to say they are undoubtedly, the Mona Lisa of the blockchain in this early young NFT industry. And they've done a really good job of, you know, going back to the drawing board and creating that undeniable utility, a community, a culture, a, a culture moving collection, right? That transcends the blockchain to the physical world. But I think it's uh, too soon to say, I mean, everything they're doing right now has them at the top of an industry that's still looking for thought leaders and an industry that's look, still looking for, you know, global regulation in, in one unified scale. So whoever is on top today, not that they won't be here tomorrow, but there is still so much, you know, to be minted, uh, you know, uh, in this young industry. And uh, that's a lot of opportunity for 
a lot of projects. Um, Board 8, you know, time will tell. They're doing everything right right now. And uh, there's nothing that you can take away from them. You know, they are the thought leaders of, you know, the end of the honeymoon phase here in blockchain. Yeah, it's always interesting because I come from such a media background that I always think of things in terms of IP like movie IP or television IP. And a lot of these things burn really bright. Like you'll get five, six seasons of Lost and then there'll be the final episode. No one will talk about it again. And then something's like The Bachelor that'll just run forever because it's just such a good context. And so when people say, well, is, is Board Ape Yacht Club, since it represents everything people hate about Gen 2 NFTs, right? Where it's like you you have access to a community, but it's the community that's the that builds its own community. And then on top of that, well, we'll figure it out as we go along, right? A lot of people are very down on that. And a lot of other projects launch with that idea of we're the next Board Apes, but then they can't fulfill it. So you need an incredible amount of buy-in in order to do big things that it requires in order to do a, a board apes. But this could be the break. This could be to the bachelor. This could be the, you know, this could be the Simpsons, you know, it's hard to know. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, they just had their land sale, right. For their metaverse. So they're really getting into that world and, and, and that part of the industry. And so they've proven that they're very agile. They're very nimble and can pivot. You know, Yuga labs is a monster. Um, and you know, the IP, the licensing is out there for anyone and everyone. I think right in Long Beach, you have a board eight burgers, right? Like a fast food restaurant. And that's a really, really refreshing way to, uh, you know, transcend the blockchain NFT world, take that, you know, IP and bring it to the real world. And I think that we'll see a lot more of that, not just with board eight, but you know, with NFT projects that are really, really trying to make their mark and be here, uh, and think past tomorrow or the end of the year and think, you know, the end of the decade. Uh, I think that that's, you know, uh, going to be a big indicator when we start to see the real world and the digital world on, on the blockchain kind of, you know, meet in the middle and really connect with one another. So to, to shift a little bit. So you you're a, a guiding voice in a coin community. All coins are down right now, right? Which is depending on why people got into a thing can either be oh my God, let's get our pitchforks and torches and let's just crush everyone we can. Or people going, yay, everything's on sale, right? Because you see the same thing in the stock market, right? The people who have been in the stock market forever are looking at it right now and saying, ooh, what's on sale I can pick up that's going to see some real growth. And there's some people saying, I just lost my retirement. I was planning on retiring next year, right? So in terms of how you think about things with the Hoge community, how are you trying to get the messaging out there? How are you trying to keep people inspired and excited? Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, to give some context on Hoge, Hoge Finance, right? It's a decentralized community with no developer wallet, no marketing wallet. It is pure DeFi, completely community managed, maintained, built. Uh, and funded, right? If we need funding, we reach out to the community or we activate a Web3 sales channel or our merch. And we're in the earliest iteration here, barely 15 months old. And through our, you know, short 15 months, we've been through it all. I think, you know, like the market, right? It's down in market cap now at, at its lowest point, probably since past when it started. Um, but we fought over the 15 months, three, $400 million in market cap down to now it might be like 15 million, something like that. But for Hoge, being a community project, community managed, community built, we're, we're a hybrid DAO with a full DAO in the making. We have our multi-DAO DAP coming so people can, you know, all over the world, unite together, make decisions and vote. And for Hoge, we always say, hey, we're the creators community too, right? Because we meme business. And I think that for Hoge, it's all about continuing to build, 
continuing to create and never stopping because we don't predicate the success of our project or our community based on, you know, the trading volume for that week or, or what influencer has shilled us with the biggest platform. And for better or for worse, that's become, you know, the standard operating procedure. Whoever can, you know, have the most buttoned up enterprise digital marketing campaign with the sharpest amplifications and acquisition tactics to get that volume and, and get that price as high as it can go, even if it's for a fleeting moment, right? That is the priority. And when that is the priority at scale, a project like Hoge can put their heads down, water their own gardens, keep it completely true to who they are, and continue to build with the ideation of providing opportunities, resources, education for anyone and everyone. You see, it's a very exclusive industry blockchain. It seems that way on the surface. And with the headlines and media always saying scam or don't trust it, you know, we have to fight that in a way that we can have an impact. And for us, it's continuing to build and provide, you know, opportunities that build projects that have undeniable use case, undeniable utility in the world of today and will only grow as this industry matures for the future of, you know, tomorrow. For all the, the hate that you see going towards crypto and NFTs in the market, you see a fair amount of love for DAOs, right? I, I think that the the mainstream press and of technology press understands why a DAO is valuable, right? Because it's essentially, at least the way that I can contextualize it in my brain, is you're able to build a company with the resources of the crowd, right? You can get a lot of input, a lot of buy-in, a lot of supporters. It's kind of like, in a weird way, equity crowdfunding, but for ideas, and maybe a little bit of equity crowdfunding in a more traditional way, right? Um, yeah. And so it's exciting that you're doing more of a DAO stuff. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, DAOs are, are in their earliest iteration right now and will replace the word corporation by the end of this decade. Um, I, that's essentially what they are, right? A corporation, but where the power is truly balanced with the people within the project, the people building, the people managing it day to day, the people helping to fund it and make decisions. And, you know, a corporation on paper, you buy shares of stock, you get your ballot in the mail to make a vote, you send it in. But the truth is, right, a lot of the decisions are made at the top. There's been a lot of mismanagement in the last decade or two. And when you look at corporations history, you know, I don't even know, like, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right, the average corporation, and probably a bit longer, right, had a, had a lifespan of about 50 years. And if you look at corporations today, it's it's 10 years or less. And so to replace that mismanagement of power and, you know, bad debt and things being run by just a few centralized officers at the top, here comes the Dow, the hybrid version of a corporation where everybody's vote, right, actually matters and everybody has a say. And I think that that incentivizes a business on the blockchain, right, to be set up like a Dow, much less these legacy businesses out here, so that you can slowly mitigate all that mismanagement and, you know, power that's unbalanced at the top. And I see a Dow in a dream state here at the end of the decade, you know, being there for every big box retailer, every big brand, much less all the successful tokenized economies and blockchain protocol protocols across all the chains. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's we are hitting this moment in time where there's a lot more people talking about CEO salaries. There's a lot of people. I just read an article today that was talking about how GE was handled from the top and how all the protégés of learning the GE way of doing things, which is essentially maximize CEO salary while telling an excuse of why they're doing well 
rather than actually doing well. Um, it feels like a DAO just simply has more checks and balances, right? So it's, it's an interesting way to look at corporations, but it's a matter of, do you think that the people who are benefiting from the current structures of corporate America will be able to stave off this revolution or not? Right. And, and for now they are right to a degree, but, you know, like I said, we are early and the media companies, you know, that, uh, hold that power of disseminating information, whatever, you know, nation you live in North America, South America, wherever it might be all over the globe, right. It's early, but I think that it's something that is inevitable in time and they're doing the legacy business and corporation worlds of today are doing a pretty good job of, you know, accelerating their own demise and the smart ones, you know, the businesses that see blockchain for what it is, the beauty that it is and what it can offer is I think will pivot, right? And become a, a version of a DAO in the traditional business world by the end of this decade, probably a number of them. It's just, this is a world where we, you know, live in and the stock market, right? Is like, you know, uh, the end all be all here, right? In North America of power and economy. And, you know, the, the big elites and the VC funds at the top, right, got a taste of waking up and seeing, you know, what people could do with GameStop however long ago it was. And I think they overlooked the power of social media and people uniting all over the globe on one platform and throwing in, you know, their funds in $5, $10, $500, whatever it is, increments together. And that they together as one species and one globe could overthrow a handful of, you know, the most powerful uh, and elite here uh, in the stock market. And so the only way that that could stop, right, is maybe someone said, hit the pause button and, you know, change the rules. But that's just a kink, right? That's just another crack in the uh, the world and the system of today that leads to DAOs uh, of tomorrow and, and power that's truly evenly dispersed, you know, across the blockchains. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, I, I although we won't use specific names, the people that hit the pause on that kind of trading, it would be interesting if there was an app instead that was a DAO where it was, you know, stock trading DAO, where they create the infrastructure that allows for cheap or free transaction costs that then feed back into a DAO. And when you trade stocks on that DAO, then you start to get some ownership in the platform itself. And you can imagine those kind of issues won't happen anywhere because there would no longer be that one person beholden to uh, a lot of uh, affiliates that would have a problem with people trying to take down a financial market that they play so deeply in. So it's really interesting. It, it is. And, you know, here at Hoge, for example, right, we are coming down the finish line of our multi uh, Dow DAP here. Right. And with that, uh, the MVP product for like beta testing is going to have, you know, a number of features that I think cater to the business and corporation world of today, the decentralized A9, A9 communities of today, right? And the business world of tomorrow. So what I mean by that is that, you know, our DAO-DAP, for example, will have the ability to create campaigns for community referendums over issues that do not involve the on-chain transfer of funds, the ability to create organizations and vote users in and out of organizations quite simply, as well as having the ability to create campaigns that lock up community funds or corporation funds in maturity, right? That are distributed based on the results of an on-chain vote. Um, and, and we're early, right? We have a couple more features that are coming there, but the point is that setting these up so that, you know, in our case, this could be a revenue channel, Web3 revenue channel, and can be used by other projects, other communities, other businesses, other corporations in the future is key here. And I think that it's only going to, you know, pick up steam here these next few years. And 
I think the stock market will be tokenized by middle, you know, end of the decade. And from there, DAOs will just go full throttle because the system of today, it's, it's racing towards a reset and it's not helping itself out each day with all these things that happen. So again, though, we are early still. We're all very early. If you're in blockchain today, no matter what you think, if you're investing or speculating, we are so early. People think, you know, we've missed the boat, but that's opportunity, you know, for people that understand that. Oh yeah, I remember when I was working at Facebook, they the one of the mottos was always we're 1% done. But I think a lot of people who worked at Facebook went, that eh, are we, right? It feels like as such a company like this, Facebook doesn't feel 1% done. But when you look at this market, you think of how few people have the wallets, how hard it is to onboard in a wallet as a as a normie, as a non-tech savvy person, how hard it is to understand what a gas fee is, how hard is it to understand all these chains? Even how to participate in a DAO, I'm part of a couple, I get deeply confused and I kind of live this stuff a lot. Um, it does feel like a lot of the next evolution of this is going to be, how do you get this away from the DeFi maxis and DGen NFT collectors and get this so that my mom can use it or, you know. So is that part of what Hoge is considering too, is the, the next big jump is going to be in simplicity and max market appeal? Absolutely. Uh, and, and the thing is, right, like we look at here in North America, at least like a thought leader uh, like Coinbase and, and, you know, what they do so well is like their uh, iOS, their Android app. It's so seamless. It's friction free. It's point and click for the broader audience who's curious and and just wants to, you know, dip their toes in the blockchain water. And I think that a lot of their success, their early success, their current success is really based on that because Right now, it's, it is a confusing world in blockchain in terms of, you know, getting into DeFi or how do I stake an asset? How do I use MetaMask? And, and what they're still, what we're all still figuring out here at scale in the industry, no matter what the protocol or project is, is how to simplify that, how to make it, you know, friendly, inviting. And, and so that people, when they look at this, they, they understand it. They have confidence in taking that plunge and, and, and trying out blockchain because it's something that is familiar. And I think that blending you know, web two to web three and the simplicity of it on the front end, the UI, the UX experience is, is key. And, and there's still a lot of refinement for these onboards and offboards into and out of the blockchain that have to be ironed out. But that is absolutely going to be there for the winners. And I think that a lot of the projects and the million dollar and the billion dollar, you know, protocols out there understand that. And it's just a matter of time. But at scale, it's not happening right now. It's definitely top of mind to us and, and where our focus is. And I think with a lot of other projects as well, too. And uh, the ones that really crack that, you know, they're going to have a lot of success, I think, in the end. So let's go back to the crypto winter part of it a little bit, because I agree. There's there's a lot to be built here. There's a lot of work to do. People used to be able to pretty, I won't say easily fund, but there was a clear pathway of how to fund through an NFT sale or a token sale. Now it seems like the friction on that's harder, or at least at the moment it's harder because it's going through really tough times right now. Is now just not a good time to go and release something as a fundraising mechanism, or do you think that good ideas can still punch their way through? I, I'm always going to be a firm believer in good ideas with great execution should always be taking shots and pushing through even the thickest of bloods. In fact, even more so when, when fear is everywhere and people – you know, are second guessing themselves or their decisions or their investments, it is a great time to, you know, squeeze up creative equity and have an invisible sandbox 
to figure it out while no one's paying attention because it's not going to be like that forever. And this, you know, the market, the industry has showed us it's cyclic, right? It goes through a pattern, ups and downs, ups and downs. And you kind of have to be disconnected from the monetary value of your wins and your losses. And as a project, you know, or, or even like a VC group with your investments, you have to, you know, believe in an idea that you see having such a logical, unmistakable sense to it in terms of where it is its use case in today's world, but also be thinking about where that will be tomorrow, next year, the end of the decade. And so I think that right now it's about, you know, having those ideas and buttoning up, you know, your team, your operation and executing with precision and, and clear intention. And if you can do that in the thickest of bloods, some beautiful things can be built that will live immutably here in this industry through the blood, through the green, you know, into maturity. Absolutely. And one more big question before we wrap up our half hour. There is a lot of money being thrown around still on the VC side. And I know that you said that you're not bullish on it on the front, but a lot of people who I've been talking to at least are starting to say, well, I was going to do a token sale and I was going to do an NFT sale, but this other company raised $50 million and they might be able to fund into the project. I'm beholden to them. Do you think that they're killing the notion of decentralization by taking that money and staying beholden to a major corporation? Or do you think that some of those will still be able to punch through? Yeah, you know, it's a good question, right? I don't think it's a, it's, it's a clear one way or the other answer in the sense that, right, like DeFi today looks like 2017 ICO season. I mean, we got the blood now, so it's slowing down, but it's, it's a mess in the sense of, you know, people will have a light paper, and, and drop an NFT collection, right? Or, or drop a token and, you know, they're going to use that to fund their project. But what's gotten really bad is that when they get that funding, right, a half of them didn't have conviction or, or had nefarious intentions to begin with and then just disappear in this anon world. So the one good thing I do like about VCs and VC money attaching themselves to blockchain-based projects is that there's a sense of accountability, someone to answer to. And so, while it won't be perfect, I think that that really helps, you know, lessen a lot of the scam projects or the people that aren't here, you know, for the right reasons or, or, or are getting ready to, to dip out and leave as soon as they get their funding. With VCs, there's a sense of KYC to a degree with that money and it comes attached, you know, with promises, signatures, responsibilities, deliverables. And I think that that's a good thing for our industry as it relates to just that single narrative, looking at it unbiasedly. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. Hayden, if people want to reach out to you, know more, where should they go? Absolutely. Yep. You can uh, check out Hoge Finance on Twitter at Hoge Finance. Find me on Twitter at, at Hoge Marketing. Join one of our live Twitter spaces on Mondays or Fridays and uh, come have some fun with us and meme some business together. I love it. Well, thank you for being the comforting blanket during this cold, cold crypto winter. Really appreciate your insight into this. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Phil. This episode of NFT Stories Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Phil Ranta. Theme music is by Mike Constantini, and we're made possible by our friends at We Are Verified. This episode has now officially been minted. See you at the next drop.